so sick of the sweet sock. Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Tea Time with Linz. I'm your host Lindsay Lucas Bartlett. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Is Twitter even a thing anymore? Threads, whatever. It's all at Duchess Lindsay. Go ahead and follow. Okay, so you know what guys? Edinburgh Fringe is in full mother trucking swing. So if you are in Edinburgh at all through the month, there are some incredible shows. There's Asexuality. Um, Rebecca is there right now. She's going to be there for the whole month. There was a show that I did Hollywood Fringe with, a Shark Ate My Penis. Go check out Laser Boy. Who else? I mean, there's fucking loads, mate, isn't there? Showstoppers, Ali's show. Ali was uh, the first one on this season. She has a show in the Fringe. This week, I'm interviewing Joyful Raven with the solo show Breed or Bass. I would highly recommend going to see Joyful. If you are in Edinburgh, go see it. It's at the Gilded Balloon. You can get tickets at www.gildedballoon.co.uk. So we're just going to get on with it. So without further ado, Joyful Raven. All right, Joyful Raven, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming Hello. on. Um, when do you go to Edinburgh? It's soon, right? Oh, my goodness, Lindsay. I go tomorrow at <laughs> noon. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wow, I caught you, I caught you, I caught you. you and you're there me. for the whole month. Is that correct? I'm there for the whole month and I'm a crazy lady and I scheduled my last preview tonight. <gasps> wow. So I'm um in Berkeley in the Bay in the Bay Area where I live and I'm leaving tomorrow morning and I'm performing twenty-six times in Edinburgh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm planning on doing Edinburgh next year and I'm literally going just for a week I think I'm gonna do like five or six performances uh, I think um, that's very sane <laughs> yeah I just I can't do a month anyway it's just too I have my two boys I can't be away for too long yeah. Um, and I'm like a week I can do a week I can do a week and I just you know what because I know you did Hollywood Fringe last year I did that, I only did five shows during Hollywood Fringe it took it out of me like, I hear you yeah, like the adrenaline is so. Anytime I do an evening show, the adrenaline that I get, it takes me hours to get to sleep. Hours, and I'm like, oh, it's it's just because the, you've got so much like adrenaline, and you're just pumping, and you're just like, anyway, enough of that. It's so real. I mean, just a little side note on that. I mean, you see why people who are on the road all the time like get have addiction issues yes. because. Like you gotta put yourself to sleep after yeah, that. You no, know? I know, and that's why they go out partying until like four in the morning and exactly hotel rooms. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> not gonna be doing that. <laughs> okay, so breed or bust. What was your breed, inspiration? Breed or bust, baby. So you know this. The kernel of this show came to me when I was writing my previous solo show. Um the title came to me and I was like, you know, I was in my, my late thirties and I was seeing all these women around me sort of in that cauldron of like that, that intensity that we feel when we're in our late thirties. And I was seeing people that were like breed or bust. Like, I don't care what happens if it's the right person or from the right, I'm just going to get pregnant. And I was like, is that me? You know? And I've, and then simultaneously I had had a few abortions. So I was sort of dealing, reckoning with that and watching 
my friends who had chosen to have children and sort of reckoning with those two poles. And I, I always like to say I was I was at this um I had I, okay, I started my last show with a joke. Do you want to hear it? And it'll yes. tell you about the colonel because it came from real life. <laughs> okay. okay. Please tell me. Okay. So I was at a <laughs> I was at a baby shower, right? And all these women were comparing their birthing and pregnancy stories. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one woman was comparing her, the difference between her two pregnancies. And she was saying, oh my God, you know, my first one was so amazing. I I felt just blush and, and excited. And I just, it was so easy. And then my second one was awful. I was hormonal and I was throwing up and I was like, oh my God, me too. Same thing. Like my first one was great. I was kind of horny. Like all the hormones were great. And the second one was terrible. And then the woman was like, oh, joyful. I'm so sorry. I didn't know you had children. And I was like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I was talking about my abortions. (laughs) So the joke is like, we have all this stuff to say as women who've gone through abortions or miscarriages or all of the stuff we go through, but we're not allowed to talk about it. Yeah. We're supposed to just sit there quietly when everyone else is talking and that's yeah. when I was like, you know what? I I, I don't want to be quiet about this. Yeah. And both those things are really traumatic. It's yeah. Like, so it's just, I've had friends who've had abortions. I've had friends who've had miscarriages and both of their experiences, when they've spoken to me about them, like I've been sobbing because it's just so fucking traumatic. And people, yeah, people, you're, I feel like the world is changing and people are wanting to talk about this stuff, Definitely. but it's, I, it's still a long way to go. So I'm really excited about your show it, it is a long way to go and it's fun I started writing this show like five years ago but it was I was sitting on it I was like writing and putting it aside and writing and then last year it was like it's time and then this whole all of this all of the you know the rules changed and yeah and the other thing I really wanted to say in this show was you know I feel like on the left or on the pro-choice movement which I am totally part of by the way mm-hmm. but we like to pretend like it isn't intense like there isn't this big toll that it that that is on the woman's system you know Mm -hmm. so I really wanted to give voice to that but I wanted to do all of that with comedy (laughs) (laughs) because that's the best fucking way (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay so last year you did Hollywood Fringe this year you're doing Edinburgh what are some highs and what are some lows that you've encountered on this journey because mm. it's because I'm assuming you're producing the show yourself I I did I did hire some help for producing in Edinburgh which is the first time in my like 10 year solo performance career that I've ever <laughs> hired help mm. like that and it's it's still you know so yes but you still end up doing a lot I've self-produced for years and it is quite the feat as you well know yes it's exhausting. <laughs> it's lonely because you sometimes need someone to talk to, and you're like, "Oh, it's just me, <laughs> just me again." <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's isolating, but yeah. I so. think this whole thing is such a hero's journey. Um, being an artist in general, you know the 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 courage that we have to summon regularly, daily to do this work and actually put ourselves out there is is phenomenal. So I just have I just have the utmost respect for you and all of the all of us that do this. Mm-hmm. Um 
and I don't know if you know this, but I also teach solo performance and storytelling. I just didn't, so you I know what? I feel like I did see that on your website, but am I yeah. crazy? Are you a maternity midwife? Did I make No, it up? you're not crazy. No, you didn't make it up. I, I call myself a story midwife. Okay. So okay. I am a midwife, but of stories. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. I thought I was you're not crazy. Like, wait, what? Let's a second. Yeah, there's a little overlap there. So, okay. So highs and lows of this journey. Well, the high was just the first time I ever performed it because I... It's changed a lot. There's been a lot of iterations, but which was at the um, Playground Solo Performance Festival in San Francisco in the Bay Area oh, where I live. I'm going to apply for that festival. Yes, you absolutely should. And let me know when you do. I'll come and I'll support. And so I'd been, like I said, I'd been sitting on the show for a while and I was like, oh, ooh, ooh. and then something happened. I was like, I'm applying to that festival. It's going to be the thing that makes me finish it. And then telling the story was so vulnerable that the, the opening night of that was like this incredible high because I was like, oh my God, it worked. Mm-hmm. People laughed. It did everything that I wanted it to do. And then I promptly went and had a second night that I hated. <laughs> right? it's, it's like it's roller coaster ride. <laughs> it honestly roller coaster ride. It's unbelievable. It, it's such a roller coaster ride. And it's unpredictable. And then I did the Hollywood fringe, which like for you was completely exhausting. I feel like it took me like six months to recover and it was only five shows, but I think what is it that makes it so exhausting? I think it's just the continual, like the networking, the going, cause I also like, so last year I did Hollywood fringe, which is where I saw your show popping up a bunch, but last fringe, mm. I didn't go to any physical shows because COVID was still around. Mm-hmm. And I actually got COVID during my run. And so oh, I was watching no. a lot of stuff online. And then this year, I did Fringe again. And so I was actually actively going to shows, going to some events. But for me, it was exhausting because I get really... Performing a show, I could do that all the time. I would love to do like two or three shows or like two shows a day. I'm just like, la, you know. But going actively out and giving stuff to strangers and trying to drum up an authentic, genuine conversation when you're also trying to plug your show, to me, is exhausting. And I get really, I get like anxiety around that sort of stuff. And I went to one of the the central, the fringe central things this year, literally walked in, did like a spin, was there for three minutes and left because I was just just got so like, I'm out. I was just, I just can't do it. It's just exhausting. And then all these people who know each other and you, you the, everyone finds their groups and it's just like, yeah, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's just, it is exhausting. It be- becomes very much like a popularity contest on a certain level. And I don't know the way around that. Like, I mean, I'm, I feel very grateful that I found community and I've, I mean, I've, I think that solo performers in some circles get a, the rap of be, a bad rap, but I have found solo performers to be most lovely group of people because they're all people who are soul searching who are unpacking big themes and who are you know open-hearted but there's something in this system of how we perform and the work it takes that I feel like is begging to shift yeah this pounding the pavement this I don't know if there's a way around it but it is it's very exhausting to constantly be trying to beg people to come to your shows that's what it is it's begging people to come to your show 
I don't know. And you just think if you were like, oh, if I were just a little bit famous, then people would right. just be like, they're of their own free will and you wouldn't have to do as much publicity or you'd have, you would hire someone to do the publicity of blah, 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 all that. Bollocks. Totally. And it's just like, I think even with like the growing in echelons of, of fame, I think that, that you just get a, a new set of, <laughs> a new set of, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an incredibly demanding path that we have chosen. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I don't know how to, I don't, I can't imagine my life any different, you know? I also find it really rewarding. And from so... what your your show sounds like, it sounds like people would go to your show and so many people could or would be able to like relate to your show. And that's, that's the other thing as well that I found really um, interesting about Fringe because I was just like trying to get as many bums on seats. So you know, like what everybody's trying to do. And because when you're producing, you're putting on your producer's hat, you're putting on your actor's hat. And it was actually after some of the shows, I think after every show that I did, like one or two people would come up to me and like share their stories. And then I was like, and this is why we do it. Or this is why I do it. And you forget that. And it's easy to forget that. And I feel like your story and from what I've read about your show and the stuff I've seen, it feels like it's such an impactful show that is one of those shows that someone will like literally think about for weeks and weeks after. Oh, well, thank you so much for saying that. And I could not agree more that that is why we do it. Right. It's like, that is the magic and the alchemy of storytelling is you're telling your story to free someone else up to feel and know their story is okay. And you're absolutely right. Like when we're pounding the pavement, we have to remember those moments where people come up to you and say, oh my God, thank you for telling your story. I've had the same experience. It's so reaffirming to hear a woman talk about this on stage, right? All of those things, um, you know, at my last show in my hometown, which was totally magical. And I'm bottling that up as I'm pounding the pavement <laughs> of like, of all the love that I received there. You know, like the teenage girls would come up to me and be like, oh my God, thank you for telling this story. Or the women like myself who are in their 40s and haven't had kids are like, oh my God, I'm so happy someone is talking about this. And a lot of people who I never knew had had abortions come up to me and tell me their abortion stories afterwards, which I feel like has to be another show. (laughs) It's like collecting all of the abortion stories that I have now heard, you know, and just like in how hungry people are to speak that out loud. Like the vagina monologues, but the abortion monologues. Exactly. You know. Um. So, and it's been interesting to see, you know, my intention was always to be like, I want men to like this show too. It's not just for women. Mm-hmm. And they do, but I have to keep coming back to like, it, 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 it's women for whom this show is a gift, you know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. What, Um. so you're going to Edinburgh tomorrow. And producing a show in Edinburgh, like from so far away, because obviously I know you said you have a producer, but obviously you still, I'm assuming, would be doing stuff. What challenges have you faced? And what are you excited about? Like, have you been to Edinburgh before? I have never been to Edinburgh. (gasps) Oh, you're going to have so much fun. So excited. Every single person I've ever told that has that response. So Edinburgh sounds utterly magical. People seem to love Scotland and the people. So I'm... Thrilled. I haven't been to Europe in many years. So that is just thrilling. To, frankly, I'm excited about performing 26 times in 28 days. Like, because of that 
that adrenaline rush of performing and and every day you wake today's a performance day right and so mm-hmm. um, for me tonight and I'm always like oh okay there's just this this the the the, the excitement the the dread, the, all of the things that come up on performance day are so yeah. intense. I'm excited to just have to face that every day and mm-hmm. see if my relationship to it changes. Yeah. So I'm thrilled about that. I'm super excited to see what other people are doing with the solo form and internationally. And I've already learned like new terms, like, you know, you're from the UK. So like, I didn't know the term like solo play. We don't use that here meeting other artists um yeah. and seeing other shows i am utterly overwhelmed i feel like the edinburgh fringe is like a an ocean and it's so overwhelming that you can't eat, really track it yeah so you have to just surrender to to faith to trust so there's yeah. something some weird alchemy happening there where i'm like the hollywood fringe you kind of feel like you could track like I kind of know who's there and like I get a lay of the land, but the Edinburgh French is so massive. I'm like, how could you even, Yeah, you, you couldn't even hold the names of all the shows in your oh, head. I, yeah. So I'm actually going like, this is bonkers, but I'm already starting my Edinburgh research like now. And I like know where I want to perform. I have a friend, I've got two friends in Edinburgh who can like scout places for me, like just look at places. But Amazing. Like this is over a year. This is how like my brain works, but on the website, it says there's over 4,000 productions. 4,000. And, uh, and your Hollywood Fringe was 300, and I felt like that was a lot. I, so, yeah. So, I'm just going to say, go with the flow. Enjoy your time. Um, if you have any days off, this is really random. but Oh, please. Tell there's, me. There's um, a place called, it's north of Edinburgh. You have to get a train there. An hour and a half on the train, I think. It's called Pit Lockery. Um, Pit. I'll send Pit Lockery. I'll send okay. you the way it's uh, spelt. Spelled. Okay. But there's this beautiful little town, and then you walk to this pub. After I'll try and find the pub's name, and then there's a distillery, like another 15, 20 minutes away, and it's just so picturesque and beautiful. And you're just like, oh, that sounds perfect. It's yeah. So <laughs> no, I really appreciate that because. I'm going to really want to get out of the city. I think on my, my day off. Um, and I have no idea. Like I'm unlike you, (laughs) I did not start doing my research a year ago. I'm so impressed. (laughs) Well, it's just like, I, I feel like I've wanted to do Edinburgh since I was like in my early twenties and I never had an opportunity to do it. And now I wanted to go a couple of years ago with like an improv group, but no one was like into it. And now I have this solo show. I'm just like, you know when this you just it. have something inside you and you're like Edinburgh to me is like the pinnacle and I'm like this is it this is what I want to do totally. so well that's very exciting and um and I love you know it's like yeah we have to listen to those movements right like it wasn't the right time a few years ago it is now yeah. and you just know it right mm-hmm. was I gonna ask you about your show um I've been from afar to answer your previous question of like, try, you know, I'm I'm on Twitter, which I never was before. I'm digital flyering on Twitter every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I I have no idea. Like, I haven't even like tracked my bus line from like where I'm staying to the theater. Like, I'm just <laughs> been so busy. Yeah. But it has been this thing. I have been in the cauldron of the Edinburgh Fringe since like. December 
November, right? That's yeah. when I was like, am I going to go? Am I going to go? Am I going to go? And then it was like choosing the producer, choosing the theater. It was, you know, it's every step of the way. This thing is huge. That's, I mean, like spiritually, yeah. emotionally, psychologically. And I'm uh, excited about all the comedians. Because oh, I'm it's... a stand-up comedian and I want to see a bunch of comedy. I'm also, I'm going to send you a couple of show suggestions because I have some other friends Please. who are going to be doing it. It's just... I just cannot wait for next year. Like I can't, I'm even looking at all the stuff like for this year. I'm just like, I really kind of wish I was going this year. And then also I'm just like, it's not my time. It's not my time. Yeah, exactly. That's patience. That's your mantra. And you're going to learn a lot. And I think it's really cool that you're interviewing people that are going now. Cause you're, you know, I, I notice a lot of people will go and then do, if they do well, they like go back the second yeah. year and sort of take garner that success and move forward with it um so i do have a question will you take because you've said that you have other solo shows will you revive any of those and take it over do you think you know i thought of my my, my previous solo sh both this show breeder bust and sexual tomboy which was my last show are both so personal and so so based in i wrote them to evolve through a period of time you know I wrote them that I don't think and I could be wrong that I'm going to revive sexual tomboy maybe I could now because I'm so far away from it but I don't think I will revive that show but I and I also think my next show is going to be totally whimsical and wild and different because I've, I've gone through these deep emotional stories yeah which is my style and I love that but I, like part of me wants to just do like a weird and bizarre clown show next time or something completely <laughs> different than you know or a straight up stand-up comedy show so um so I don't know it would be interesting to bring sexual sexual tomboy back online it, yeah. it, I wrote that show in the lead up to the whole me too movement like I didn't know it was like similarly to the abortion rights thing I didn't realize that I you know that I was swept up in this movement of feminine voices until I got my show out and then it was like you know it was like it was like yeah. the artist higher self in me like knew yeah. but like my logical brain didn't I love that so yeah. interesting I really do that's the other thing what you were saying earlier about solo performers I know not everybody's solo performance is like autobiographical did I say that word no yeah yeah biographical but just to put on a solo show to me is just so autobiographical not is so revealing of who you are and such a testament and I just I've kind of like you know where you become a bit obsessed with solo shows yes because <laughs> I have um <laughs> I just I, the performer I just find it just I'm just in awe of solo performers and I feel like because I for me, didn't know that I needed to do a solo show until it was during COVID. And going back, I've seen like a bunch of my 16-year-old notebooks of solo show ideas. And I'm like, I feel like I've honored that. Yeah. And I'm just like, and now the solo show community has like opened up so vastly. I'm just like, this is amazing. So I'm I just love in, that. I'm just in awe. And especially when it's something so like, heavy and like emotional and so like raw i just really appreciate that so that is so you. beautiful Lindsay. But i love that you're honoring 
Oh, thank you. I love that you're honoring your 16 year old self and you found her in your journal and you saw that's just so spectacular. And I do love that the world of solo show is opening up. And I also find it really exciting because I think people have this idea that solo show is one thing. It's like this one person doing all these characters, which is what it is sometimes. Or it's like an actor just wanting to showcase her talent so she can get somewhere else, you know. And I feel like now we're starting to value the art of the solo show as an art form itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's so much genre blending happening, you know, like the stand-ups are getting more storytelling and the storytellers are getting more stand-up and the clowns are bringing, you know, it's like there's mm-hmm. so much cool mixing going on. I just find yeah. it very exciting. Yeah, it is. What it is, is your exciting. show? Will you tell me a little bit more about your show? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I've wanted to do a solo show for ages and I just didn't know what I wanted it to be about. And then, you know, when you're just at the drawing board because you're just like trying to make stuff up or like make stories up. And then I was like, why am I trying <laughs> to make something up when my life has been a fucking roller coaster of stories? <laughs> and it's basically my whole life. It starts out as a teenager, like in the teenage years. And I talk about childhood and you see it and this and the other. And then it goes all the way up until me moving to America and meeting my husband and having children um which you wouldn't expect all of that stuff to happen when you see all the shit (laughs) that I've gone through it's like it's it gets very heavy in parts there's like sexual assault in there there's a suicide in there it's like it gets pretty heavy but then it flips around and starts being funny again because you have to find the fucking comedy in all the dark shit um and because I love singing and I never Ever. It's, do you know what this is so bonkers to me I never sing in front of people it's like such a thing that I get like petrified over like petrified over last year at the Hollywood Fringe I workshopped the show and I had three songs in the show and I was terrified about singing in front of even though they're like comedic songs and then it was actually the songs that people were just like oh that's so catchy and this and the other that I actually wrote five more songs so now it's actually a solo musical and it's like <laughs> I'm just like why what was I so scared about but I also feel like you reach those points in your life where you just settle down and you become mm-hmm. calmer with who mm-hmm. you are and like what you're about so 100%. Anyway, so it's a solo musical and yeah I fucking love it and I just uh, want to keep well, doing it and doing it and doing it until I've run it fucking wild and then Run it and run it wild. I love that. And then do something I else. I love that you're that you see, this is what I think is so magical about it. Like you had this thing around singing, but part of you needed to sing. And so you like created this platform for you to bust through that. Even if it some of it was just becoming more settled in the age you are and all of that, but also that that vehicle gave you gave you your singing voice it like let you claim your singing voice 100 percent, and that's just astounding you know and it's it's interesting to me as well because if you took the music out i don't think the show would be as good i think the show would still be good but the songs Mm -hmm. just like i feel like elevate it and Mm -hmm. that's something so magical to me because i never thought in a zillion years that would be the case 
I love I never that. thought and I was good enough. Blah 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 blah. blah all that. All oh that god, stuff yeah. That, you know, we we all have those voices. We all have that shit. We that do follows us. But yeah. Yep. The old the old inner critic. I mean, my as my work as a story midwife and helping people write their solo plays and directing them like, and because I teach classes too, I I I'm so clear now on the fact because when I was younger, I thought it was just my voice, just my just you know. But I am so clear now that none of us are free of it. Like mm-hmm. not one person, no matter how successful or famous you are, it's just it keeps popping up and you keep having to manage it. But you remind me that my next show, I really want to sing because I love singing too. And it's the thing that I'm most shy about. And you I should. sing, I play the ukulele and I love it. It brings me so much joy. And yet I'm I, I, I'm going to put songs in my next show. You Thank you for reminding me. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to let you go because I know you have a show tonight, but I just want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, thank you thank you for seeking me out it's so lovely to meet you and and chat with you i'm so excited for edinburgh and i'm excited to see where where breeder bust goes so me too and one day i can't wait to see it so um so break a leg tonight and uh, break a leg in edinburgh thank you thank Um, you thank you